Hey everybody! Welcome to Nonstop Chit Chai with your hosts Navi and Novera, where we literally chat nonstop about brown people things like marriage, aunties, fair and lovely, and basically everything a third culture kid experiences in today's world. Nonstop Chit Chai. Let's chat. Today's episode is Can't Cramp My Style, period. We explore the experience of menstruating, why there is stigma around the topic of periods, and how together we can create menstrual dignity. We speak with Dr. Tayeba Ahmed about how menstruation needs to be taken seriously, and Manjit Gill, founder of Bindi Period, about the organization's efforts to create menstrual dignity around the world. Let's chat. So we've heard Aunt Flo, Shark Week, Bloody Mary, the Girl Flu, On the Rag, all these slang terms for a basic biological function of the human body. You know, so the media, society, culture, they're all ready to talk about sex, digestion, blood circulation, but when it comes to the topic of menstruation or your period, it's off limits. And let's be real, none mm-hmm. of us would exist if periods did not exist. And I think it's really important for us to discuss some of the harmful effects that brushing this topic under the rug has for women, not just in the US and the UK and Canada in developed countries, but also women in developing countries like India and Pakistan and parts of Africa, where the repercussions hold women back and can even be life-threatening by brushing this topic under the rug. So we're actually here to talk today about menstrual dignity. What is it and how can we break that stigma of talking about periods. Yeah, and this is even more relevant because the documentary period, end of sentence, just won an Oscar for best short film. Yes. Novaren actually just watched it and we really <laughs> enjoyed it, so we highly suggest everyone checking it out. It's only 30 minutes. But it's basically about women in India who are fighting against the stigma of periods. And they essentially start making their own pads with a machine that they have. It's actually based off Padman, who helped these women basically empower themselves to have that menstrual dignity. So he helped them create pads. They became self-sufficient. They had jobs. They could sell those pads and make money. Yeah. And they also got their husbands and brothers involved. Yes. And they were accepting that these women were doing this. Yeah. It's really amazing when you create transparency around this topic. It's actually less awkward than we all think. Oh, 100%. I mean, awkwardness all comes from that societal construct, right? Of like periods are a really taboo topic, but it's a natural part of life. Yeah, it can be really a crappy time for a lot of young women for 30 to 40 years of their lives because periods hurt, we get cramps, backaches, nausea, hormonal imbalances. So that added and unnecessary shame that comes with having your period, it needs to stop. Well, the shame needs to stop, number one, just because we should be open about this topic, but also because it does have harmful effects. Mm-hmm. So according to research by WaterAid and UNICEF, one in three girls in Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, India, and Pakistan actually miss school days every month during their periods. It's terrible. Yeah. And it, that's basically holding them back from achieving the most that they can in life. And let's be real. This is one of the most ignored human rights issues around the globe. And it affects everything from education to public health to the environment. Oh, 100%. The crazy thing is so many South Asian women 
are actually embarrassed to talk about their period or they're taught to be really hush-hush about it because there's a certain sense of shame that's associated with it. It's almost like it's a it's an illness or, you mm-hmm. know, these women are considered dirty or impure. Mm-hmm. But it's like, actually this bleeding is what gives you life Mm -hmm. and like how we create life. So it's the complete opposite of impure. And at the end of the day, it's really simple. There's nothing else that's happening in our bodies that should be considered dirty or impure. I mean, even in the film, period, end of sentence, they ask all these boys in this little town, have you ever heard of a period? And then they ask them again in a term that they're familiar with in Hindi. And the boys are like, oh, of course I've heard of it. It's a disease. Yeah. Oh, it's an illness. Right. And we need to change that sort of view of menstruation. Right. And I think even just addressing it directly, right? Because I think a lot of times at least what I've seen in, you know, the Muslim community, the Pakistani community, the Indian community, it's like you find a a very roundabout way of saying you're on your period, you never say it outright, right? And that's linked to that shame. It's like, oh, why aren't you going to the mosque? Oh, I'm not praying today, Mm -hmm. as opposed to I'm on my period. I remember when I was younger and I had just started my period and my mom had told me, you know, this is like a very private thing and don't talk to your dad about this. And I'm like, my dad is in the medical field. So if I should be able to talk to anyone about it, it's him. And you know, in Islam, we don't pray when you're on your period. And he would ask me, oh, did you pray? And I wouldn't know how to respond. And so I would say, oh yeah, I've prayed for the next seven days. And that was kind of code mm. for, I'm on my period. Interesting. Speaking of men, there was a this satire piece that Gloria Steinem wrote in the 70s. And it was a really fascinating question that she posed, where she said, what would happen if instead of women, men could menstruate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, the answer is clear. Menstruation would become an enviable, boastworthy masculine event. Men would be bragging about how long and how much. <laughs> and oh, I just yeah. Thought, like, that's so true. I, I bled 10 tablespoons <laughs> on my last period. How much did you bleed? Just uh, thinking about my own experiences that I've had where it's been awkward or I've been in some uncomfortable situation when I had my period. I remember when I was in India and I was actually at my village and with my grandparents and I had just unexpectedly gotten my period and it was pretty much just me and my grandmother at the house at that time. So uh, I didn't have anyone to go into the town with. And so I told her, I'm like, I need some tissues And she understood what I meant, right? So number one, I'm not even being straightforward with my own grandmother, who's a woman, about my period. I'm like saying it in this roundabout way. And so she's like, okay, well, come with me. So she unlocks one of the rooms in the house. And basically, it's just like this huge pile of cotton. It's like the whole entire room is just full of cotton because... At that time, they had a cotton farm. And so she's like, okay, you can take some of this and use this. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll take the raw cotton. And I took some of it. I wrapped it with tissues to make sure it was clean because, number one, I didn't just want to use, like, the cotton that was just picked. Just sitting there. And I didn't want to, you know, use that as my hygienic product. And so, you know, after a couple of hours, I was like, I have to change it now. But where do I throw this away? Um, And I didn't want to flush it down the toilet because it's too thick. And so then there was no dustbin. It's not like there's a dustbin in the bathroom. In India, that hasn't really been the culture. I feel like it's starting to become the culture now. And so I'm like, well, I guess I have to go 
find a place to throw this away. Oh, so no. I like wrapped it in a plastic bag and then I went outside and I found the place where all the garbage is thrown. Like I have to go outside of the house, I have to walk somewhere. And then I threw it away and then I came back and I'm like, why was this such a hassle? Right. Like, this should not need to be my experience when I got my period. Like right. it should just be a very simple, I have my products, the trash can is right here and that's it, it and just get it done. Yep. And imagine like that's what the women who live there have to go through every right. time they have their period. Obviously they're used to this, but I don't think it's right to be used to something right. like that. Right. Like that should not be how it is. Right. That shouldn't be the normal. Exactly. I remember it was like in the beginning days, right? And my brother and I used to share a bathroom and he would see my box of pads. And he asked me one time, he said, why do you wear diapers? <laughs> I mean, mind you, he yeah. was, he's three years younger than me. So mm -hmm. he at that point didn't understand the concept. And so I was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And I just played it off like... It's not a big deal. Again, there was this shame that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a, like, he shouldn't know at all that this is happening. Mm -hmm. And then one time he was standing outside the bathroom and I walked out and he looked at me. He was like, I know why you wear diapers. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, because you poop your pants. Oh. <laughs> and I, in that moment, felt like it was better that he thought that I pooped my pants yep. than that I bled. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is terrible mm -hmm. that is terrible and it's nobody's fault again it's just a societal conditioning right that you know your period like don't talk about it don't even say that word i'm sure people listening to this right now are feeling a little bit uncomfortable yeah. which is great because we want to push everyone we want to push everyone outside their comfort zones including us yeah exactly and even for us like when we were coming up with this topic so you question whether this is appropriate to talk about right but at the end of the day it really is like there's really absolutely nothing wrong with talking about this right. topic at all. Right, and we don't want to isolate the guys, our, our male listeners, because listen guys, if you have a sister, a wife, a girlfriend, a friend who is a girl, a mom, you should know this. There's really no shame in it and it's only gonna help you understand the women in your life much better. Manjeet Gill is the founder of Binti Period. She has over 20 years of global business expertise and has been involved in seven startups before Binti. Her role as a mentor for businesswomen in Kenya led her to start Binti Period. As a British Indian, providing basic menstrual rights for women in India has become her dedication to making a social change. I was working with a young lady in Nairobi. Our lives seemed quite similar until one day she said, hey, Magic, do you know that women in Africa don't have access to menstrual products? And I think I was quite taken aback by that because just the idea that uh, somebody would be putting leaves or grass or cow dung between their legs as a way of managing their periods was just something that I couldn't, that, that drove me to finding a solution. So in um, Swahili, binti means young lady, in Arabic it means daughter, and in Punjabi and Hindi, of course, um, binti is a, a request for help. So our vision is quite simply, we want to create a world where all women have menstrual dignity and we do this through three different areas. The first one is the provision of menstrual products, which sometimes includes setting up projects where women can produce their own pads. The second one is to provide menstrual education and we've developed a bespoke package that covers the biology, the emotional, cultural and spiritual aspects of periods. The third part is smashing shame and dispelling the stigma and taboo around periods uh, on a global level and we utilize digital media to do that. So I'd like to say that I think it's actually something that affects all of us globally. 
So, for example, if we were all in an office right now and I had started my period, I would most likely grab a tampon or pad or, and shove it up my sleeve and then go to the toilet. So this discretion exists in the West too. And in India, sometimes we can say, oh yeah, well, they, they live in the rural areas and they don't really know any better. But for example, you'll find that South Asians will carry their practices from back home to where they live right now. And in some instances, I've heard a girl telling me that she didn't go to her father's funeral in the UK because uh, she was considered dirty and impure. Other stories, the kind of normal ones are women aren't allowed to touch food, touch plates. I've heard a girl tell me that when she was introduced to her in-laws, she was told that she's not allowed to hug anyone if she's on her period. So for example, when they have garba, they're not allowed to participate in garba. So it's kind of something that as different nations, we all have different things that we do, um, which highlight the fact that this um, secrecy and shame is kind of given to us right at the beginning from a very young age. Men have to be a part of the conversation, absolutely, because without them, we can't really make change. And adding them to the education from a very young age will absolutely help in getting them to understand what's happening and how to support the, the women in their lives. But also when they know what a period is, then they're far less, less likely to make jokes about it. And that's kind of one of the key messages that we drive. Because it's really easy to have a dig at a girl. Um, she's not in a, she's not feeling great and we might make a period joke, you know, you must, must be the time of your month or whatever. But we kind of try and steer away from that because we know that it's lack of education that allows these ideas to compound the stigma and the taboo around periods. So about five years ago, we were working with um, Marugan, who is also known as the Padman, where we bought one of his machines. And his concept is based on a low-cost production unit, which has um, about five machines that any woman with limited skills can work with, repair and run a project which allows her to create a sustainable solution for herself financially. Um, it's kind of like a cottage style industry where the women will produce the pads, sell them to their communities and make enough money to be able to feed themselves and buy the raw materials and the, and the project continues. So last year we launched our reusable pads, which mean that if we donate pads to a school, we have to donate them once. Those pads are then washed and reused every month and they keep the girls in school for two to three years. It's very sustainable and far more economical. And of course, it doesn't affect the environment. This year we're launching a campaign called I Love Periods and you can ask any woman what she uses in between periods and she'll always say well toilet paper and what that means is that we live in the west but we all use toilet paper and the reason we do that is because toilet paper is free in all public spaces toilet paper along with soap so our plan is to ensure that we get menstrual products into the toilets because essentially what will happen the facilities managers who run the toilets they'll find that their toilet paper budgets will decrease and kind of cover the cost for menstrual products. When you ask someone to explain the process of menstruation, there isn't actually many people that can, even the women that go through periods themselves. So young girls as young as nine start their periods these days and they are left to bleed every month 
the next four decades of their lives without adequate information. They kind of have to learn on the job and as they go along. So we are pushing to ensure that menstrual education is a standalone topic in schools, covering all aspects of periods so that girls can understand emotionally where they are in this cycle, when is a good time to make decisions, when is a good time to perhaps do other things and then understanding kind of the subliminal messages that we get culturally in the West. Why do we use blue liquid in adverts, for example? It kind of shows right from the beginning that this is something that we should hide from everyone and perhaps um, the guys would get really upset if they saw red liquid. So those kind of things need to change. And in the work environment, if we if we can normalize the conversation so that we can dispel the stigma and the taboo, then we can be a little bit more prouder of the fact that we bleed. After all, the reason we're all here is because somebody bled once upon a time, right? We are like um, all other organizations in the sense that, yes, we need funding. We're always looking for volunteers. Um, our website is binti.co.uk and we're on social media at Binti Period. Dr. Taiba Ahmed is a pelvic pain specialist and wellness advocate in New York City. She uses social media to raise awareness in new generations about periods, pelvic pain, and endometriosis, among other things. The way that the period menstrual cycle affects me and my patients is because periods are not meant to be painful. Believe it or not, they're not supposed to be painful. There is a little degree of having cramps, and, and it, which is normal. It's totally not normal if people are on the floor, cringe, holding onto their abdomen, throwing up, vomit, like from the pain, missing school, missing work, leaking through their clothes every single period. That's totally not normal. And um, that's typically when you have to dig and see if there's any conditions that could be causing that. Endometriosis, which is the endometrium is inside the uterus and there's tissue that looks similar to it now that is outside of the uterus. So that tissue is now implanted and it could be on the pelvic floor, it could be on the bowel, it could be on the bladder. But so it's not really seen like if you do a colonoscopy because it's not on the inside of the colon, it's on the outside or the rectum. So, you know, people, but it can still affect your bowels. And so a lot of women think they have IBS. And then when I further probe a little bit, I ask them about their periods and they're like, yeah, my periods are really painful. I've missed school a ton of times. I've been to the ER a bunch of times. You just kind of keep probing. You can find out that chances are they probably have endometriosis. So the treatment for endometriosis has nothing to do with the uterus. Like a hysterectomy would not help because it's not in the uterus. It's outside of the uterus. One in 10 women has endometriosis and that's a big number. Um, The only reason I feel like it doesn't get the, the attention it should is because it doesn't kill you. But essentially, it grows rapidly in your body like a non-malignant cancer and it can actually grow up into your lungs and it can cause shortness of breath. One of the other huge things that comes with endometriosis is a tightening of the muscles. So when the muscles are tight, those patients typically present with painful sex. And so I've actually had patients come in and say, I can't have sex and I've been married two and a half years. And so if you can't have sex, if you've been married for two and a half years, well, then you probably should be checking for endometriosis as well. I had a young woman come in of Arab descent, and she came in this long cycle of from her GI doctor who said, I thought she had IBS, but I'm pretty sure she has endo sent to me. I couldn't even do an, an exam on her. My finger couldn't even get in. She could not tolerate it at all. And after about like nine months, she was having intercourse. 
but she lived with painful periods her entire life. And her parents just assumed that it was normal. So how do you think that we as a community can educate ourselves on this? If you have a 13-year-old girl who's on the floor crying and says her painful periods, consult a physician. And if you go to your GYN, your GYN dismisses you and says, oh, it's just your period, it's normal. Go to another GYN and go to another GYN until someone finally listens to you. It's hard because a lot of kids at that age, they barely speak to their parents, right? You're in your teenage years, you barely want to tell your parents anything. But, you know, girls are getting their periods now at 10 years of age. I had someone on Instagram message me and tell me that their niece or something was 10 years old and had her first period and she was admitted to a hospital and was put on fentanyl. I mean, that's a narcotic. It's like an IV drug. It's crazy to be, you know, because she was in so much pain. They wanted to put her out of pain. She was 10 years old. So the the bigger thing is, is figure out where the pain is coming from. You can't diagnose endometriosis without a laparoscopic surgery. So they have to go in and see it. We're trying to create a blood test that can diagnose endometriosis with just menstrual blood. So when 13-year-old girls say, hey, mom, I have my period seems really painful. And all, all the other girls in gym class are totally able to do gym with their period. And I'm just on the floor. And parents are able to go to their pediatrician and then hopefully have their daughters take their menstrual blood, put it in a test tube and diagnose endometriosis. At least this way, it won't take seven to 10 years for diagnosis, which is the current amount of years it takes for a proper diagnosis of endometriosis. So endometriosis is also a huge cause of infertility. A lot of women don't know they have endometriosis until they're trying to get pregnant and they go to a fertility doctor and then they find out that that's their cause of infertility. They remove the endo and then most of the time they get pregnant soon after. I've seen many, many women who've come with already having hysterectomies because they were in so much pain. They just wanted their uterus taken out, even though it was probably not their uterus because endometriosis is outside of the uterus. And because endometriosis is hormone driven through estrogen or progesterone, that's why every time their cycles, the, the, the hormones go up and down, the pain comes. So a lot of times some women have pain just with their increase in estrogen and sometimes they have pain all month long and sometimes it's three weeks and sometimes everyone has a very different cycle. The way I think that period shaming will only change is if the men in our in our lives now are able to talk about it. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and for about a year they've been watching me, you know, insert a tampon. They've seen my menstrual cup. They've seen my pads and my mom would probably be horrified if she knew all that um, <laughs> because that's such an intimate private thing so if we are very open with our communication about our periods now it's not a bad thing it's it's normal dads should be able to go to CVS and pick up pads and tampons and not be embarrassed to do it and not have to send their wives to do that it's just a part of life and my kids you know say vagina and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I know a lot of people think like, oh, if you teach them the word vagina, they're going to be like hypersexual or something. And that makes no sense. It's like teaching your kids the anatomy of the brain and the scapula and the, the clavicle. Like it's the same thing. It's just an, an anatomy. So many parents are against the use of tampons. Why? Because they're scared that the hymen might be broken. And to be completely honest, that's absolutely ridiculous because your hymen could be disrupted just by sitting on a horse riding a bike peloton bikers spinning you could lose you know you can lose the integrity of your hymen so i think tampon use i encourage it 
I think it's a it's a great way of knowing what your pelvic floor muscles are like. If you have trouble getting a tampon in, that's a huge sign. I can't even tell you how many women I have that I see with endo and I say, did you ever have trouble with a tampon? And they said, you know, I did. I never wanted to do it again because it was so uncomfortable. So I stopped. And I wondered if they went back and just kept like trying maybe they would have been like hey something's wrong i can't get a tamp maybe they would have told their parents more i don't know so our website is pelvicrehabilitation.com and there's also information about what we do on that i bet you if you ask like if you're in a room with 10 people 10 women and you ask them does anyone have painful periods like so bad that you ever had to miss work i bet you like a bunch of hands would go up and if you got them privately and said, do you have pain with sex? You'd probably be able to diagnose endometriosis just like that. We just want to take a quick second to thank Zan Lothia of Aftersound for our theme music and Fatma Beg for our cover art. And we wanted to thank Garant Delo of Evergreen Universe for some awesome tunes. And now back to the discussion. So firstly, I loved that Manjeet talked about the sanitary machine mm -hmm. or the pad machine. It's so amazing that her organization, Binti Period, is helping women get access to these machines all around the world. Mm -hmm. And the effects that it has. They're employing women. Mm -hmm. They're making these women self-sufficient. They're allowing them to have the discussion about like periods, kind of normalizing the stigmatized, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're also making money by like, going to the different villages and selling these pads. Exactly. We just wanted to quickly talk about what exactly a period is and how it works. And we are not doctors. We did hear from Dr. Tayaba who gave us some insight on the medical side of things, but we just wanted to simplify this and we'll do our best to explain. So basically women go through something called the menstrual cycle and it's a hormonal process that we go through each month and it basically prepares our bodies for pregnancy. Each month, one of our ovaries releases an egg and this process is called ovulation. Essentially, if the egg is not fertilized, the lining of our uterus sheds through the vagina and this results in the discharge of blood. So the entire menstrual cycle is usually 28 days long, but the menstruation part of it, which is the shedding of the lining of the uterus, lasts between two to seven days, and that's what we basically call a period. Right. And girls normally get their first period around 11, 12, but it could be anywhere between eight and 15. It just varies. And your average woman will lose about two to three tablespoons of blood during their period. It varies, and that's what results in some women having lighter periods that will last maybe two to three days and some women actually have very heavy periods where there is a lot of blood but some of the side effects include cramps so you know that could be muscle contractions of the uterus water retention fatigue breast tenderness nausea some women will even throw up mm -hmm. some of the behavioral and mood changes we often call pms premenstrual syndrome it's common in 20 to 30 percent of women mm -hmm. but we always want to be cautious of you know blaming periods for oh you're you're in a crabby mood because you must be on your period oh you're mm -hmm. you're pmsing for some women they can have just like dr Diaba was saying there can be some severe symptoms and real irregularities in your period and when this happens if you're a father or if you're a boyfriend or if you're a brother and if a woman is really expressing that something is hurting or it's really uncomfortable, that can be a sign of a true irregularity in your menstrual cycle. Right. And that's when you need to get medical attention. And that's why we need to talk about it at a younger age. And that's why right. fathers also need to be aware of 
what it's like when their daughters are getting their right. period. Right. And I think talking about addressing it, some parents will say, oh, they talk about it in schools. So we don't need to talk about it at home. But I think that it needs to start in our homes. Mm -hmm. And I know that it can be awkward. I know, so one of my aunts, her daughter was turning 10 or 11. So she was like, well, I should probably talk to her. But she's like, oh no, they, they do it at school. I was like, you should talk to her, you're her mom. Like you'll be able to tell her more based on your experience and it'll be a more personal conversation. And she goes, wait, can you do it? <laughs> I was thinking, uh, this is not my daughter, but I'm not joking. I actually legitimately had a conversation with her. It was like an hour long conversation. And she it was great because kids are curious. They don't yep. understand like, why is this happening? And so we sat there and she was like, wait, so I don't understand. Do you pee and it comes out as blood or do you just sit and it's coming out? And I'm like, these are important questions that young girls are probably afraid to ask teachers and yep. health professionals that are coming to your school to talk about it. But it might be easier to talk to your mom or your sister mm -hmm. or, you know, like an older cousin. And she, I remember she asked me, so I don't understand why is this happening? And I told her, I was like, you know, it's the eggs and they're not fertilized and all of this. And when I was telling my aunt, she was like, why were you talking about the eggs? <laughs> Just tell her what happened. You don't need to tell her like that. But I was like, no, it's important that we understand why it's happening yeah. to understand how important this is. Yeah. Part of the reason why I think it's so uncomfortable for people to talk about is because it's also happening with our vagina. And number mm. one, people are already uncomfortable saying that word. Right. And so they're all automatically assuming, oh my God, this is like some weird taboo thing because it's happening in the vagina area. Right. But if you put the science behind it saying like, no, we have a reproductive system right. and the reproductive system is doing this to the body. Like yeah. if you put it in some more medical or scientific terms, it kind of demystifies mm. what's happening. It kind of makes it feel less impure right. because you're like, this is literally just science. science. Like right. that's what's actually happening. Right. It's just science. Right. That's a great segue into talking about this period stigma. You know, how did it start and how can we move forward and normalize it? Yeah. So interestingly, periods weren't always taboo. So we looked at some ancient cultures and it was actually a mark of honor and power. And it was considered the sacred time for women to rest and revive their bodies, mm -hmm. which I think is beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, and in some cultures it was considered, again, sacred, powerful. You had these increased psychic abilities and you were strong enough to heal the sick. The women were given this sense of empowerment that like this was your time. Yep. But in more recent times, many of the world's major religions, you know, so we have Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism. When you're on your period, a woman is seen as unclean. You're oftentimes segregated from the masses. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can't pray in some of these religions. You can't go to places of worship. Periods have just been associated with dirt and this mm -hmm. disgust and shame and some might even say fear. Yeah. And even today in some communities in India and Nepal, women are actually banished to sheds during their period because the menstruation is considered so impure that the women need to, just like you said, be segregated from the household. Wow. So they can't touch certain things and they have to be in a room by themselves while they are menstruating. There was actually just an article a couple of months ago where a woman in Nepal was in a shed. She did not have access to like a clean bathroom and she got infected and died. I can't believe that that is still happening today. Right. The fact that it's so taboo to talk about menstruation and the fact that women have to be kept away when they have their period kind of holds us back. And it right. really excludes us from positions of power and authority. Like, for example, if a woman has to be absent seven days of the month, 
month because she's on her period, how is she able to have religious authority positions right. or positions of authority in the village, for example, right. because she's not able to participate in society for seven days out of the month. Or even just going to school, right? It's like yeah. you're missing seven days of school. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about it, it's a form of discrimination yeah. against women. And it's pretty obvious in religions and it sort of extends to cultures. But different religions have different interpretations of when women have their period depending on the level of conservatism. Right, right. For example, in Islam, like women are excused from performing the daily prayers. And some people actually interpret the Quran as forbidding intercourse during this time. Mm -hmm. um, and some people even say that you can't go to the mosque, which is not true, but some people say that, you know, if you're on your period, you can't even enter the place of worship. Mm -hmm. And then, for example, in Judaism, the Torah says that menstruating females are considered ritually unclean, and they also prohibit them from having intercourse during that time. And once again, this is a very extreme interpretation, but there are societies where, or communities where this is how they view menstruation. And actually, they also segregate. So women are kind of shunned based mm -hmm. on the fact that you're just on your period. Mm, interesting. Similarly, in Hinduism, women are advised not to go to the temple or work in the kitchen or, for example, wear flowers oh, wow. or have intercourse or touch people. And women are separated sometimes from the place of worship and even sometimes their home and we saw this example in the movie Padman where basically the inventor of this machine his wife in the film had to sleep in the outhouse right. and she also used a rag and that's what would soak up the blood yeah. and then she would clean that rag but in actuality the rag wasn't really clean right. and so that could have caused infections it's just so unhygienic it's and so, so that actually does happen in communities you know, it's actually fascinating to see that stigmas around periods, they're not just limited to South Asia. They actually exist around the world. Mm -hmm. And we found this BuzzFeed article that gave examples of period shaming all around the world. So, for example, in Fiji, someone said, pads will be wrapped in a newspaper when they're purchased. So it's funny because in Pakistan, this is a thing. So I went to the grocery store and I needed to buy tampons, which also I'm surprised that they even sell tampons there. It's really hard for me to find tampons <laughs> in India, for example. So, well, no, I was, so I was actually really impressed because yeah. I didn't, you know, none of my family typically in Pakistan uses tampons. So I went to this grocery store. I found a box of tampons and the guy who was ringing me up refused to touch the box. And he told me that I had to put it in a brown paper bag before he put it in the plastic bag. Yeah. In Canada, someone said, my mom once told me that when I'm on my period, I shouldn't throw the evidence away in the bathroom garbage because then people would know why I was so moody. Uh, I will say that I've gotten that advice too. No. But um, not necessarily because they'll say I'm, I'm moody, but one time I think I had accidentally left a tampon in the toilet and I forgot to flush it. And I know that doesn't sound very glamorous, but yeah, I got in trouble because she said that my brother should never see something like that. Oh, wow. In Ghana, someone said, most men wouldn't want to eat food cooked by a menstruating woman or share a bucket or bathroom with her. Which is, which is crazy. I know. Yeah. So the thing is, menstrual taboo and period shaming has a lot of detrimental effects. It can affect how a woman takes care of herself. It results in unhygienic conditions for women. So like women being shunned to the hut, like you had mentioned, and it affects the availability of hygienic pads and tampons for women. If you're feeling shamed, you're less likely to take care of yourself because you think like something's wrong with me. And in some countries, it's so difficult for women to go about their daily lives that girls actually drop out of school. 
So there was a study in India that showed that 30% of girls interviewed dropped out of school the day after they started their period. And imagine the reason for that is because these girls are going to school and the schools don't always have all the resources. They don't have access to the most clean bathrooms. And for them, the process of changing their pad or their rag or whatever they're using multiple times a day while they're going to school is so cumbersome mm-hmm. and it's such an obstacle for them that they don't want to go through that uncomfortable experience and you know luckily we don't have that right in america and canada and the uk but it's sad that girls in other countries don't have the resources or the space or the products to just comfortably have their period and it's just that's really sad like even in terms of women taking care of themselves like sometimes women might need to miss work because their cramps are so bad or because they have nausea or because there's something else going on in their body that's very uncomfortable i actually have a friend who works in san francisco and she recently told me that she has become very very open in her workplace about when she has her period so for example if someone is scheduling a meeting and she's on the first day of her period and she feels like she might have to stay home. She actually responds back and says, hi, I'm on my period. Can we please reschedule the meeting? And she's just very open about it. That's one way that we can address menstrual shaming is being open about it in the workplace, with family, with friends. So when I get my period, I crave chocolate, Mm -hmm. like hardcore cravings for chocolate, (laughs) right? And I was supposed to go to this meeting and I showed up a couple minutes late because I went to the vending machine to get a Kit Kat. I was craving this chocolate so badly that I did not break the Kit Kat bars. I just Mm -hmm. bit into it like a psycho. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Oh man. And I actually had a colleague, he stared at me and he goes, the way you're eating your Kit Kat is making me really uncomfortable. (laughs) And I was like, listen, I'm on my period. I just need the chocolate. So if you're uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but I just need the chocolate. Wow. And his face for a second was like, what did you just say? But then the greatest thing about that conversation was it broke down this wall between this colleague of mine and and me. And it was just like, we started this new friendship where it was like, oh, cool. Like we can talk about this stuff and not feel awkward and not feel like there's this level of formality between us. So I think that that is really helpful in getting rid of period shaming is just talking about it is just addressing it and the first time you do it it will be awkward because it's not socially accepted right now but the more you do it the less awkward it becomes the more socially accepted it becomes and it'll normalize the conversation around periods yeah actually as you're talking about the workplace this is a story i want to share because it also kind of makes you realize how much women have to be so conscious about themselves and like their clothing when they have their periods. Mm -hmm. Because we actually like avoid wearing white pants because we think something might leak through. Uh, I had come in one morning and I was talking to a colleague of mine and she was actually a woman and I was in her office and I was sitting on the chair and the chair actually had light colored cushions and I had a black dress on on purpose. And we're talking, we had this one hour conversation. I get up and all my blood had leaked through onto the cushion of the couch. No. And I got up and I was like mortified. I looked down. I was so mortified. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. There's blood all over her couch. And she saw it and she's like, Navi, don't even worry about it. She immediately put a scarf over it. Next day I come in and she had already cleaned all of it up you know no one saw that that had happened in my mind i'm like what if i was in a meeting with a man yeah like what would have happened like i would have gotten up and been so mortified like how would i have even faced that at that point it's like you know you feel so much shame talking about it like how would i even address it with him right and how would he respond and react exactly because this woman 
colleague of yours, she can empathize because yep. she goes through the same thing, right? Exactly. But with men, it's like, how do you teach them to empathize or to sympathize with women who are on their period? You know, as we talked about, there are multiple different types of ways that women can soak up the blood, basically. Mm -hmm. So we have pads, tampons. We talked about these menstrual cups. The problem is, is like, Access to these products is really difficult for some people. Like mm -hmm. there was a 2015 report from UNICEF and the World Health Organization. It said that at least 500 million girls and women globally lack adequate facilities for managing their periods. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is this is again, globally. So even here, we see these disparities. Pads and tampons are necessities. Yep. Every woman at some point in her life, assuming she's healthy, is going to bleed. That is just a fact. And so pads and tampons, they're necessities, but they're taxed mm -hmm. in a lot of states in this country. But then things that are really not necessities, like Viagra and Rogaine, are not taxed. It's so interesting. But the sad thing about tampons are that they're still sometimes not accepted. So I think there are a lot of religious misconceptions about tampons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in some religions and cultures, we're told that if you wear a tampon, you lose your virginity because you're sticking something up your vagina. Yep. And I can see that. I could see how people falsely think right. that. Yep. I had a girl when I actually first got on my period. So I was a gymnast in high school. And when I started wearing tampons because, you know, I needed to compete when I was on my period and I couldn't yeah. be wearing a pad, this girl told me, she was like, oh, you're not a real Muslim then because you stuck a tampon up your vagina and therefore you're not a virgin and so you're not a Muslim anymore. Wow. And I remember being so upset because I'm yeah. like, no, but I want to, I want to be Muslim. <laughs> you're like, what? I, I know. I was like, no. Your whole world is like I shattered. Just, I was so bad. And then I talked to my mom about it. My mom was like, that girl is crazy. <laughs> She's like, you are a Muslim. Like, that is not a thing. It's, yeah. you know, she was like, some people believe that and you're allowed to believe that, but that's not a commonly accepted belief. Yeah. It's so great that we're having this conversation and just being so open about experiences of us having our periods and how it's treated around the world. And there's so many great organizations around the world that are also trying to bring the same mm -hmm. uh, awareness. So, for example, we talked to Manjeet at Binti Period, an amazing organization where they are trying to bring menstrual dignity to the world and make that a norm. There's the Proud Period campaign, which celebrates something called Menstrual Hygiene Day. Mm -hmm. There's something called Thinks. Mm -hmm. which is actually a period underwear. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. Mm -hmm. They're great because you don't need to really be wearing anything other than the underwear. Mm, and it's, interesting. it's quite cool. Yeah. There was also this group of students at a university in Pakistan that taped 25 pads on their university's wall in order to kickstart a conversation about period shaming. Good. It actually made a lot of people uncomfortable mm -hmm. and there was quite a bit of backlash. There was also Kiran Gandhi who drew headlines in 2015 oh, yeah. when she had her period while running the London Marathon. Mm -hmm. And instead of stopping or trying to cover up the blood running down her leg, she just kept racing. That brings us to an equally important part of this discussion is the women have the periods, what are the men doing? Mm -hmm. So what can men do to help end period shaming? Do accept your male privilege. This is something that you're not going through every month. So while you can sympathize, it's going to be impossible for you to empathize because you do not feel the pain. You do not feel the hormonal changes. You do not feel the effects of having to miss a day of work or having to go in late or having to stay in bed because of cramps. Mm -hmm. So do accept that you have that male privilege. And then also allow women to own their body and all of its processes. So if a woman is holding a tampon or a pad or if you notice something thrown away in the garbage, we can't make comments about that. Let's just treat it as a normal part of our daily lives. Because 
Because it is. It, because it is. The next thing is try not to get squeamish. You know, I feel like we talk about things like pooping and peeing and farting and it's normal. And yet when we talk about this other very normal and probably even more incredible thing that is the period, mm -hmm. we get squeamish. Rupi Kaur had a photo of a woman lying in bed with blood on her pants. And it was reported by Instagram users as violating community standards mm -hmm. that forbid depiction of nudity or illegal content. So Rupi Kaur responded saying that she created this photo project to demystify the period mm -hmm. and make something that's innate normal. And actually, Instagram then had no choice but to admit that removing this photo was, quote unquote, an accident. Another thing you can do is help others understand periods better. So basically, that means you have a friend who just will make a comment like, oh, that's disgusting or, oh, that's gross. Just sort of taking a second and being like, hey, man, it's really not. And this is just a natural part of what yeah. happens. So just sort of being open to not censoring these mm -hmm. conversations. Mm -hmm. And then also, just like the movie Padman, treat menstruation like it's everyone's problem. It's not just something women have to deal with. In Padman, he, as a husband, was invested in his wife's hygiene and her health. And thus, it compelled him to make this machine and be more involved in this. And if your daughter has her period, like you should understand that and be a part of that process mm -hmm. and be open to helping her find the hygienic products or take her to the doctor if she needs to. Yeah. And then finally, don't use periods as an excuse to mock women or say things like, oh, you're probably just PMSing, that's why you're acting up. Because mm -hmm. frankly, it's actually hurtful. Mm -hmm. So let's try to be a little more understanding of the hormonal effects of such a time and just be more sensitive and cognizant of how you are speaking to women, especially when they're on their periods. Mm -hmm. Masala meter, where we score something everyone is talking about on how hot it is. We go from k, -k, k cumin pretty bland, not much going on, to trouble tamarind, a little sweet and spicy, to garam masala, where it's getting hotter, ladies and gentlemen, and all the way to salmich, where it's just too hot to handle. So Navi, what's the scoop? As part of a hackathon contest, a woman in India, Padmini Ray Murray, created a video game called Darshan Diversion. Darshan means seeing God, and in this game, avatars of women in red saris try to reach the top floor of a temple, dodging miniature Hindu priests along the way. A red blinking light indicates when the woman is menstruating, and the priests try to block them, shouting in exasperation. Padmini got her idea because temples in India were preventing women from entering when they had their period. The result was this two-player game where the participants can choose to either be a priest or a woman. Padmini said a lot of people at the hackathon were very taken aback by the game, and she's actually gotten a lot of backlash from the internet community. Regardless, I'm definitely interested in playing this game. So where do we put this on the masala meter, Novera? Oh. My. God. I cannot <laughs> stop laughing at how ridiculous this is. I mean, in a way, it's, it's brilliant because it's trying to raise awareness, but at the same time, I'm like, menstruating women are blocked from the temple in a video game? This is some next level shit. And like, I get it, people were upset about Hinduism being portrayed in a negative light. Like, you know, it was a, it was more of a satirical video game to try to, to raise awareness, but I'm, I'm so confused. I, I can't make sense of this. So I am going to rank it as Trouble Tamarind. Because it's, you know, it's just not here, it's not there. I'm confused, I don't know, do I like it? Do I not like it? It's it's weird, but it's cool because it's raising awareness. I'm confused. But you know what? To the woman who made it, 
And to the people who enjoy playing the game, you do you, boo-boo. <laughs> Every month, women deal with a natural phenomenon known as a period. We need to work together to end the sense of shame associated with this natural process that is linked to the miracle of life. This means men, women, boys, and girls educating themselves on what a period is, being able to have a mature discussion about periods, and working together to build this sense of menstrual dignity so that women and girls around the world can break free from societal taboos. And this begins in our homes, our workplaces, with our friends and our family. So let's chat next time.